Hello and welcome to the R Fantasy Modcast, a podcast where the moderators of the R Fantasy subreddit get together, sometimes with guests, um, to talk about books and other things that are happening on our fantasy. This is episode two and we will be talking about comfort reads. Been around longer than all of you, just for the record. But nobody's heard your voice before, they're just gonna go, who is this mysterious woman, and be, like, awestruck. I like to think they hear my voice in their dreams and or nightmares. <laughs> Some probably do. But yes, hello, I am Megan Dawn. I've been a moderator since, I don't know, like 2017. And I stayed awake long enough to be in the podcast today. Yay! Yay! I'm Lisa, also Elrich1024 on the subreddit. Hi, I'm Gigi. I'm the Queen's Own Fool on Our Fantasy. Hello, I'm Travis, uh, Coffee Archives on Our Fantasy. Okay, so getting back to comfort reads, what was the question, Gigi? Like, what is a comfort read? Yeah, what is a comfort read? Is there, like, a general aspect of a comfort read for, like, all books? Because we're seeing a lot of lists right now that are popping up with, like, optimistic, hopeful reads, comforting reads. Is there, like, general qualities that fit a comfort read definition, or is there specific things that you look for? I think for me, for com- comfort reads have to do all about with how the book makes me feel. So it's going to be things that make me feel happy or that are familiar. So I'll reread books that have become old favorites or I'll read new books that I know will have happy endings. So usually I'm reading a lot of romance or romantic fantasy or things like that. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't want to be a smartass about it, but it, it's comfortable. It's like a, you know, a cozy blanket or chicken soup or whatever, but as a book. It's not going to make you think too hard, but it also has to hold your attention because you don't want to be thinking. That's like the whole point. So yeah, it has, has, to, has to have a balance. It has to be good enough to hold your attention, but not make you think too hard. Yeah, I'm the same as Lisa. I either reread books that I loved and found comforting, or I'll go for a familiar genre like romance or romantic fantasy where I know I will be promised a happy ending. And even though bad things may happen at the course of the book, I know by the end of it, everyone is guaranteed to have found love. For me, at least, I typically... I don't really have a subgenre that I read in that has quite the codified tropes and uh, established expectations going in as romance, Uh, so maybe I should read more romance. You should. I'll give you Rex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, yes, I, I wouldn't mind that. But for me, I guess I normally look for an author or a subgenre that I know pretty much exactly what I'm going to get going in. So a comfort read for me might be uh, something like Lit RPG or maybe something written by Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, I think I'm like Travis. I have I have comfort authors that I know I can rely on that like, so it's not so much I look for a romance novel, but I might look for, you know, whatever TJ Clune's got coming out because I always know sort of what you're going to get. Yeah, that's true. I more have comfort authors within a comfort genre, because sometimes I'll take a chance on like a new author within a genre and it doesn't it doesn't work out. Yeah, that's a good point. There are authors that I know that are always going to come through for me. Like I could read Alana Andrews when I was reading her Kate Daniel series. You know, you always kind of know what you're going to get with those books. So if you're in that mood for something that's going to be familiar and fun and you know what you're going to get, then 
those are the books that you're going to gravitate towards. It doesn't necessarily need to be a reread or even something in a particular genre. It could just be an author. I do want to also say, um, as far as books that don't make you think too much, but are like a warm hug, I think there's books that do both. Like Becky Chambers stuff is always like a warm hug, but it will also really make you think if you want to stop and think about it. I'm going to slightly disagree because there's also, I think, a danger in expectations because when I read um, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, I was like, yes, small hug, cozy blankets, give it to me. And then I was saving a closed and common orbit for like a hard day. And I picked it up and I was like, this is not the lovely warm hug I thought it was going to be. It was still a very good book, but it had darker themes than I was expecting. It does have darker themes, but at the end of the day, it's all about the characters and how they react to those themes. So for me, I think that was still a really comforting book. And even something like Record of a Spaceborn Few, which... When you read it, it's actually very bittersweet because it's about this culture that is kind of declining and slowly falling apart, and they're trying to hold on to it, and it's changing, and so it's got a bittersweetness to it, but I also found that very comforting in a way. So I think, you know, it really depends on your own personal taste and I guess what you find comforting and what you're able to find comfort in sometimes. For me, I think uh, Becky Chambers is actually a fantastic example, especially with her Wayfarers books, uh, because I group that into the sort of nebulously defined subgenre of hope punk, where I guess it's more useful for me as a comfort read when there's external pressures making me look for a comfort read rather than internal mental health stuff I have to deal with. Uh, So if there's things like, oh, you know, the world's gone to shit, or uh, not to mention any topical things, but, you know, either government or pandemics or something like that, then hope punk, like I see in Becky Chambers' books, it's kind of not a perfect world, right? Like, there's still some very wrong things going on, but the characters are making a good life for themselves. They're finding each other, there's found family, and they're pushing back against the harshness of their world. So it's still optimistic, even though it's not fluffy, so I don't know, it's it's kind of a different kind of comfort read. And I think I would be a little cautious about who I recommended it to based on the current situation. Speaking as one of the five people on the planet who don't like Becky Chambers' books, admittedly, I've only read the first one, what is a small way to a angry planet or whatever it's called. But like, I, I found it was too nice. Like, it's kind of what I was talking about. It was just everything was so, everyone was so nice to each other and so understanding and they spent so much time explaining, you know, this is what I like and this makes me comfortable. And I just found that I need something with a bit more teeth, like like Travis was saying, a bit more, bit more conflict or I think I like angst. That's what I'm trying to say. Like my books need to have the characters angsting at each other, emotionally, you know, like interpersonal relationship drama, not so much external action drama. But I do need them to fight and argue and get pissy at each other. Yeah, judging from what I've seen of your recs on Goodreads, I would agree. (laughs) That's what you like. (laughs) That makes perfect sense of why you like Clune so much then. It does. And also The Last Son by Katie Edwards. Yes, exactly. I feel seen. Those are books too, like that I would bring up. Like I need to start rereading the Green Creek series by Clune because I'm hoping to purchase the third book sometime later this month. It's like those are very angsty books, but they're also comforting. 
to. Yes, exactly. I would not recommend The Last Son and The Hanged Man for anybody looking for comfort, but I read The Hangman over my last two days of work before I became unemployed and like the world was going sideways. And I was just like, you know what? This is exactly what I needed. And there's a, another author, a very niche author. Her name is MCA Hogarth. I often recommend her when people are talking about Becky Chambers because there's a lot of similarities, but again, so much angst. Do you have a specific book you would start people off with? She has a, a series called the Her Instruments Trilogy. That's the most Becky Chambers-y of her books. My personal favourite is the Prince's Game series, but I hesitate to recommend that without knowing the person because they are also horrifically dark. So I tend to not throw that one out there as much. But they're very, you know, it's a found family on a spaceship having adventures, but just with a bit more meat to it, a bit more. The ship captain, she's very standoffish and nasty and her, her subordinates are trying to teach her how to be a nice person and there's this empathetic, you know, what's the word when they can feel feelings? Empathic. Empathic, that one. There's an empathic alien who comes on board and it, you know, drama follows. All right, the first book in the Horror Instrument series is Earthrise. That's it. Okay, so what question did we want to cover next? We've talked about general comfort reads, what makes a book comforting. I guess what specific comfort read would you recommend now or like that you have read recently? I mean, I'll still argue that Red, White and Royal Blue counts as a fantasy novel because it's like technically an alternate world, technically. That's fair. So that would be my biggest recommendation for a comfort read at the moment. I've been rereading it. Yeah, I need to reread that one too. I think I reread that two or three times last year. I read it like three times in one month. That's how good it was. <laughs> wow. I, I do own the book. I just have not picked it up yet. There's a part later in the book because it's involving like politicians and royalty. There's like a speech involved and I cry every time I read it. I was working at the time I was working like an overnight shift and I'm just like reading it while hosting some people around my building. And I was just like, don't cry while working. This will get awkward <laughs> very fast. <laughs> I think it's one of the few books that literally made me squee out loud. Like I made that little noise to myself like no, I know exactly what you mean because I think I probably did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a really great book and it is definitely one that has all of that emotions of angst that you were talking about, but in a great way. And it has a lot of payoff. And because it is a romance, there is a happily ever after, happily for now at the end of it. I learned so much about um, American Thanksgiving traditions and turkeys. It's informative. I didn't realize there was that much about Thanksgiving in that book, but I guess there is. Yeah, my mind completely glazed over that. What makes romance very compelling for me is that you know the ending you're promised, you're promised a happy ending, but you don't know how you're going to get there. And that's where the drama, the angst, the emotions come in. Yeah, for sure. I just finished reading a romance fantasy called Briarly by Aston Glenn Gray. Oh, I just picked that one up when she had it for free. It's high on my list. I picked that one up because I'm a patron of Stephanie Burgess, 
and she writes a lot of fantasy romance and one of the things that she does through her patreon is she has like a little book club and talks about different books and recommendations so she mentioned Briarly, so i picked it up it's a retelling of beauty and the beast but the beast is a dragon and it's not your typical retelling. All of the notes are there. You know where the story is going if you're familiar with the tale. I mean, it is a bit predictable because if you're familiar with any romance or any Beauty and the Beast retelling, then you kind of know things are going to work out. But again, like you said, it's about the journey, not necessarily the destination because we know what the destination is going to be. Travis, what about you? Part for me, I don't know if I'm always looking for quite the same things in a comfort read as several of you. I did just finish The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells. Oh, that's a good one. That's fantastic. Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. And for me, what I thought was kind of comforting about it is, one, all of the characters are non-human. There's no humans in the world at all. So you've kind of got that step removal from whatever's happening right now. Also, there's a focus on fertility and reproduction and rebuilding that I don't often see in fantasy there's no burn the empire to the ground defeat the dark lord it's more just you know how can we be a stronger community for the most part plus the cloud roads is perfect for my love of angst because moon the main character is such like oh he's such a melodramatic little drama queen i love him oh he's so angsty (laughs) he's so angsty he's he's one of those people that like if he sees two people talking across the room he's like they're talking about me and he flounces <laughs> off like. <laughs> now I definitely need to read this. I've had it in my TBR for a long time and I don't know why I haven't gotten to it yet. I think I, I saw somewhere that she based the Raxura, I think is their name, the species name. She based them off of her cats, which is, yeah, totally. <laughs> they, they always kiss at each other when they're annoyed. They're always like, <laughs> and shit, it's so awesome. And, you know, Cloud's like a, an outsider and, and he's very – um. He wants love, but at the same time, he does not trust any of the people who are trying to like welcome him in and so much angst. I actually reread those recently. That's a very good comfort read, Travis. Yeah. And I think they're being re-released in uh, mass market paperback and audio. So I think the last book in the series is being released at the end of April. I think, I think Murderbot, the success of Murderbot has uh, given a push to her older stuff, which is fantastic. Yeah. And... I guess Murderbot is also a fantastic comfort read, in my opinion. You've kind of got a lot of the angst and the people don't actually love me, even though they clearly do kind of feelings that uh, the Raxura series has as well. As someone who's introverted and would love to be able to just, you know, have my bubble of silence and just watch a TV show for a little bit every once in a while, I could really identify hard with Murderbot. I, yeah, me too. It's funny because people kept saying, Lisa, you have to read Murderbot. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. And then I started reading it and I was like, oh my God, I am Murderbot. <laughs> <laughs> I identify so hard. <laughs> I used Murderbot to get a friend back into reading. She wanted to get into reading. She really liked playing uh, video games like Alien and whatnot, but she was really worried about not being able to commit to a full book because she hadn't read one in so long. And I was like, you start with Murderbot and then you see where you go from there. And by like the fifth page, she was like, I am in love with Murderbot. I would die for Murderbot. I think I'm very vocal about my... uh dislike of novellas but I think Murderbot is one of the few that actually really works in the format 
I'm interested to see what it looks like as the novel, which is out soon, isn't it? The novel is out soon, yeah. I think beginning of May. Yeah, I was lucky enough to hear Martha read, I think it was the beginning of it, at Capclave last year in November. And just from that little bit that she read, I already know this book is going to be amazing. So I'm I'm really, really excited for it. It's going to be great. And I know uh, my favorite character other than Murderbot, Asshole Research Transport, is making a comeback. <laughs> so looking forward to that. And some of the other characters are going to be there as well, at least in the beginning. I know they are. One of the things that I love about Murderbot, too, is not only that it's just so identifiable for me as an introvert, like you said, but also that it does have a good range of emotions, especially for a character that is, you know, an AI and is kind of learning about themselves and branching out and trying new things and stuff. There's an incredible amount of overlap between Murderbot and Moon from the Cloud Roads. So I think anyone who has, you know, discovered and loved Murderbot, but not maybe Martha's older books, I think if you love Murderbot, you're going to love Moon. They're very similar. All right. So now I have to read the Cloud Roads as soon as we get off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'll close it up then with recent comfort read. Again, I was talking about the tarot sequence by Katie Edwards. So the first book is The Last Sun, the second book is The Hanged Man. And again, like Megan said, they're angsty. These are dark books that can deal with dark themes, but they're also stories of people finding each other. They're stories of people making a home in the darkness. And that's just kind of really, it's really nice right now. There's also just something so satisfying about protagonists who are powerful, even if they don't know it. Like Rune St. John, the main character, he might come across at first as unassuming, but then there are moments when like, what do they say in the sub? OP characters, they're always asking for. He can be very OP. Yeah, the realisation of him coming into his power and like of people who have had the world beat down on them realizing that they're stronger than they are and that they can push forward and create new families and stuff and also katie edwards is hilarious so like it's a good book it's got like that good balance of angst drama action but it's also really funny too and you know when he gets worked up flames come out of his eyes so really that's a plus yeah, it is a really, really funny book. If people are looking for something further, a book that made me laugh, Square on Bingo, that might be a good one to pick up. It is very funny, and it's also super comforting in a way, even though it also deals with some dark things, and it's kind of more of an urban fantasy type feel. But for me, I find it very comforting, and I've reread it a couple times. And Katie Edwards will be on our urban fantasy panel on April 26th, so you can ask him all your questions about The Last Son and The Hanged Man then. He is absolutely one of the nicest people. He is just an amazing, kind man. Yeah, absolutely. He's very generous to his fans, too. I think they have a Discord for the fans of The Last Son. Yes, come join us. We're nice. I'm ready for the third book, even though I know it's still in progress. He's got a novella coming out very soon, The Sunken Mall. It was supposed to be out for Christmas. It's set at Christmas, but it hasn't quite made it out yet. But that should be out relatively soon. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I saw some, he'd posted some preview chapters of that. And I'm like, I'm going to resist. Yes, I did the same. I was like, no, no, you have fooled me before. I'm not going (laughs) to. He's the type of author who really likes to engage with his fans. And so if you want a world to fall in love with and be able to chat with other fans and chat with the author and stuff like I've seen he's written like alternate universe or alternate timeline scenes of his own book 
essentially. Things that they could have gone that way, but they didn't, and he'll just share them with his fans, and then the fans will be crying in the comments section, going, how could you rip my heart <laughs> out of my chest like this? I think also for people who are looking uh, for books that are ongoing and have a lot of potential for theorizing and predictions and that kind of thing, like these books are rich in that sort of, ooh, what's this person's real agenda, or what does that mean, or... You know, we can take the one throwaway line and then base an entire theory about what that could potentially mean for later books and things like that. Yeah, I guess that loops back to a thought I just had about comfort reads, because a lot of my comfort reading is romance-based, or like we've talked a lot about The Cloud Roads. These are books that have either a short narrative arc within a book or their finalized series, and this is a series that is still ongoing and is comforting in the books themselves, but also comforting in the community that's been built around them. And I think that's something kind of really nice and rare. Yeah, that's that's a good point about the community. At the end of the day, we're reading books to connect, uh, connect with the stories, connect with the characters, but also to connect with other people as we squee about the books. Travis, have you had anything recently that you read that is a good comfort read, you think? I've had this kind of in my mind as, I guess, technically a comfort listen, because I do have to bring up an audio drama. Are any of you familiar with the podcast Wooden Overcoats? No. 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 Okay, wonderful. So <laughs> it's I, I describe it as similar to the dry sort of slapstick humor that you can see in Monty Python, particularly John Cleese's Faulty Towers television show. So it's two rival funeral directors who just get up to increasingly ridiculous shenanigans as they're competing to be the one true funeral home in the town. And there is no speculative element to it except that the story is told through the framework of one of the character's pet mouse is writing a novel and trying to submit off to agents and get published, and they're just documenting all of the crazy shit that the funeral directors are doing to each other. Really, it's great if you want something that has phenomenal characters and is just a fun listen. I personally was laughing out loud multiple times every episode, and I think a lot of people would find the humor appealing. Speaking of alternative media, since our last episode, I've been having a lot of trouble reading lately just because of everything that's going on. I haven't really been into reading anything that's particularly heavy or super detailed or just deals with a lot of dark themes. So books that I've currently been reading, I'm kind of slogging through. But since everyone mentioned Lore Olympus last time we were talking, I decided to check it out and I binge read all of it. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is my jam. This is a comfort read for me. So Lore Olympus, if you missed the first episode we were talking about or you don't know what it is already, is a webtoon. And it is a retelling of Persephone and Hades. Features, you know, a wide range of cast of the other gods and pantheon. So it's it's really, really good. I didn't expect it to be such a mix of modern things somehow, but it, it is very modern and it's very fun, but it's also, it deals with some, some dark things that happen and it's so well done. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's so well done. Yeah, I suppose I could have pitched it as like a retelling of Hades and Persephone, but they work at an office. Right. Yeah, it is sort of like that. Is there any other things we want to touch on or is this just going to be a shorter episode? How about is there anything we're currently reading or is that pretty much been covered by what we've talked about so far? 
No, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, Megan, why don't you go first? Oh, that wasn't my point. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I'm reading right now, so I needed a moment. I think last week you guys talked about the Bright Sessions and Infinite Noise. Yes. Which I just finished. I thought it was okay. But I did just start. There's an Australian author, Max Barry. His last book was Lexicon, which was quite a few years ago now. But I really liked it. And I always check in to see if he's got something new. And he just released a new book called Providence. And I've only just started it, but it's really cool so far. Although I think it's probably more sci-fi than straight up fantasy. It's um a first contact novel, I think. I haven't really read the blurb. He's kind of a insta-buy author for me, so I've gone in blind. But that's always fun. Yeah, but so far, very cool. And Lexicon is fantastic, which is set in Broken Hill, a very rural Australian town. And there's a word. Uh, it's like a words have power kind of situation. So there's like a society of poets who collect powerful words. And there's this one super powerful word that wiped out the entire town. So there's various parties trying to get control of this word. Yeah, this sounds exactly like a book for me. It's just very clever and does really cool things with unreliable narrators, that kind of stuff. And in my opinion, it probably has the single most gripping intro to any book I've ever read. Oh, you've read it. Cool. It's so good, hey? It's really, really good. It was very out of left field. I wasn't expecting much of it going in, but it was so good that I've never forgotten the author. I've always, like I say, every year I check to see, has he actually published anything else yet? Because he seems to be one of those every now and then kind of authors. Yeah, and most of his books seem to really knock it out of the park. I think he also wrote Jennifer Government, which is absolutely not a comfort read, but that was taught at my high school. So he's like actually made it into established school curriculum as well. Yeah, so I, I can't probably recommend Providence yet, having literally just started it, but I can highly recommend Lexicon. What about you guys? I'm actually taking a break from speculative fiction right now. Oh, that means we have to fire you from the mod team. Sorry. Did you not read the paperwork? <laughs> uh, joke's on you. You forgot to make me sign the paperwork when we started. <sighs> yeah, I figured now is the time to maybe try something different, a bit something out of left field, because likely so I've been having a problem where I'm just not that interested in reading a lot of books right now, or I'm having trouble staying with the story, and I, I just DNF'd a romance the other day it was a regency historical romance but with mages and i was like this sounds excellent and then i was 80 percent in and i was like i can't remember the characters names they're not compelling at all i just threw in the towel and gave up but i figured now is the time to read all of those shiny classics on my shelf that are haunting me so i started pride and prejudice because i've somehow made it this far into life and have never read the book nor seen the movie yeah don't don't say that too loudly you'll summon krista <laughs> <laughs> like oh no Dane Austin <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's gonna be something I like it's just I have to get into the writing style right now but so far I'm like a couple chapters in and it's been really accessible which I didn't expect I think uh one of my favorite comfort read authors speaking of comfort reads is Alexis Hall and he's just started reading Moby Dick and he's live tweeting the experience which I have no interest in ever reading Moby Dick but I am enjoying his uh take on Moby Dick so it must be the time for it. Everyone's digging into those classic things they've never read. Yeah, it's like we're all baking bread and apparently writing our novels and now reading classics. What about you, Travis? What are you reading right now? So I guess in general, I have learned that I'm more of a mood reader and yet I have very 
strict schedules of books that I've been reading because I just have various different milestones that I'm trying to achieve and there's books that I have to read to get there. Uh, so one of those books, which I only started yesterday, so I'm only about maybe a quarter of the way in, is The Perfect Assassin by K.A. Dorr. So far, it's been really enjoyable. I don't know how much actual assassining there's going to be, which in the last couple decades seems to be the norm for assassin books. Robin Hobb enters the chat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Robin Hobb and then lately uh, R.J. Barker as well with his assassin trilogy. But yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been really enjoying it. I've been promised that it gets very gay, so I'm looking forward to that as well. And yeah, so far it's been good. I think every single book we've mentioned in this episode, except for maybe Pride and Prejudice, has been a little bit gay, I think. Yeah, I think so. Maybe not Murderbot. Uh, well, some people are arguing that Murderbot will count for the asexual aromantic square, too. I have thoughts on having robotic non-human characters identified as asexual, but uh, we may not have time to get into that. <laughs> Yeah, I had similar thoughts when people would say that about Imperial Mercy, Imperial Sword, and Lecky, right? Yeah, they would say that she was, you know, the ship from that book was asexual. And I had the same thoughts then. I'm like, well, yeah, but she's not actually human. So what does that say about, but as you say, probably, probably not the time to get into it. Just to mention a couple of things that we have going on at the subreddit right now, we did just release the new 2020 bingo card. So if you haven't stopped in to take a look at the new bingo challenge, that is up and live and people are seem to be pretty excited about it. We're still continuing with the Our Fantasy Virtual Con and we have a lot more panels scheduled now. So if it's been a while since you stopped in, please come in and take a look at the sidebar and see what things we've got coming up. And we have our first ever recorded panel that Travis did the other day, and we should be having that come out as an episode on the podcast soon, hopefully. That was on predictive fiction, so we had a bunch of authors come on and talk about that topic, and it was really fun. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Our Fantasy Modcast. Let us know your thoughts in the comments, and we'll see you next time.